Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Heart to Heart. This week I thought I'd do something slightly different and rather than speak to someone with a CHD, I thought I'd bring my parents in for a chat and we would talk about my condition and how I grew up with a CHD and their experiences. I hope you all enjoy and as always you can follow me on Instagram at Heart to Hearts Podcast. I'm also now on Facebook. Enjoy. Hello. Hi, Stuart. How are you? Good, good. This is something different for us. I know. I thought this would be a very good idea and I would get the perspective of parents and why not use my own parents as a really good view on CHD in children. So I was obviously born with a CHD. Yes, you are. And um, (laughs) not many people have actually known my story from doing this podcast. So I thought this would be a really good idea to let people learn about my story plus how parents have maybe struggled or got on with having to raise okay. a child with CHD so could you right. go into a bit about how like even you're like being when you found out about my condition and like you did nothing during pregnancy and whatnot no well obviously we were born in the 80s and there was not all the checks on that you get now when you're pregnant and that. So we didn't really know about your um, heart disorder until the day after. Mm -hmm. You were born two weeks early and then you just weren't very well as a baby that day. But then the next day they discovered when you were screaming the place down that you were just going blue. So that was when you were quickly wrapped up completely wrapped up and let's get the doctor so then your dad came so you can carry your story yeah because I wasn't at the birth because you were early you were early (laughs) I had planned I was away working and had planned to be back for the scheduled birth I just hoped but then you came a couple of weeks was at least two two weeks early early. Mm. so I missed it and I arrived the night yeah. And you were born during the day, and that you were, you were. There wasn't any sort of outward sign at that point that it was any real issue. So, and it was only sorry. Yeah, so, so when I was born with the weight, and was my weight not abnormal or anything? Then you, no, you were small, but they'd always told me that you were going to be a small baby, so I wasn't too worried. Although you were just five, ten, I think at that time, and we weren't too worried, but you weren't feeding at all very well so there was worries about that just that first night but then it was the bath time in the morning that proved that no things were definitely not right when you were completely blue Mm. so that was that the blue baby syndrome that i've heard people talk about was that something completely do you know if that's something related nobody knew what the problem was that was the, that was the, the concern because you were showing this blue symptom 
nobody knew what it was. They couldn't deal with it in the local hospital. You were born in Trose Infirmary, which wow. is just a small local maternity ward. They didn't have the the med, you know, the specialist or the capability to do any more than sort of mm. rudimentary checks. So right. when you showed this blue and obviously you were struggling, then you had to be taken to another hospital to you know get that get checked out. And that's when I came back to visit in the afternoon of the second day after the day after you were born. born, then I arrived and within sort of minutes you were getting shot out the door in an ambulance. All right, so yeah, it was just getting moved down to Nimbles Lane. Mm -hmm. yeah. to, 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 to Dundee, to that's Dundee. right. Yeah, that's great. So when I got to Dundee, did they go straight into like doing scans and stuff, or was it? Yeah, they did all the tests that they could do at that time. You got, and it, you got to keep remembering, as your mum said, that this was uh, mid eighties, so the tests and things that they could do and the knowledge they had was much less than it is now. Yeah, and so no. you know, so the tests they were doing, before. you know, a lot of mm. the tests they were doing were, you know, quite sort of basic tests, and it wasn't a, they weren't able to determine specific things about your, you know, your own diagnosis at that point, and Dundee yeah. wasn't able to cope with it. No. So you were sent straight so, away. You didn't even stay in Dundee. No, you were just day. in Dundee very briefly. I I came to Dundee, followed the ambulance to Dundee and came in when you were there because your mum couldn't leave the hospital in Montrose. And then they, they decided they couldn't deal with it, they couldn't handle it either. So you had to go to an even more specialist hospital in Edinburgh, which was the sick kids hospital in Edinburgh. Oh, right, okay. And so you left in the, in the dark night of Dundee with the blue lights flashing on the ambulance, and I just watched you go down the road. And I couldn't stop <laughs> with you. Now, how did that feel? What, like, do, like, how did you feel following the ambulance was it because it was so unknown i'm guessing you were well there was just so much happening it was just a completely you alien can't... experience there wasn't time to think about you know why or what or anything like that. we just trying to deal with minute by minute what was going on yeah. and then of course when you went off then you had to go on your own i couldn't come with you at that point to to edinburgh and i had to come back home again and you were getting scheduled for um, tests and then a uh, procedure the next within the next couple of days in mm. Edinburgh. Yeah, so, and yeah, your so mum's still in hospital. Yeah, and your mum's still in hospital in Montreal. Yeah, crazy. yeah. Because they said I could go to Edinburgh, but I wouldn't be able to go to the sick children's. I'd have to go to another maternity hospital. So I just thought, well, there's no point. I had Debbie at home. So, so you know, just the way things were done back then. Yes. Yeah. So, mm. Yeah. There's not this. Not the same sort of total care, I suppose, if you want to call it that. No. You know, it was more focusing on your particular needs and it wasn't really thinking about, you know, what the, the how the parents would be involved in that or the rest of it. wasn't really that same approach at that stage. Yeah. I know. And then, so you're saying there was a couple of days after I was born and then went to Edinburgh. Edinburgh. And, and, then, and then you got Edinburgh to go down... Well, Edinburgh, Edinburgh diagnosed the phallus tautology. Mm. That okay. was then. So then... So they... you were in the incubator mm. in Edinburgh. Right. Um, and that was it. I'm trying to remember, because we couldn't get down. There was another problem with Edinburgh. The, it was it snow. snow. <laughs> <laughs> the, the weather was like what we've just had a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And all the roads were in a right 
mess and everything, but we did eventually make it mm -hmm. through for your operation day. Right. Um, yeah, so but you couldn't stay at the hospital then either, you know, so th that was tricky. So were you told about them finding the fallows over the phone or did they not tell you until you got down there? I don't actually remember I don't, when we did. I don't think we got any um, detail mm -hmm. until we got down to Edinburgh. I think we got, we may, we may have got told, we may, they may have said that, the name of it, but we didn't know what it was. Yeah. You know, we didn't have any explanation of what that meant or what it was. No. So we actually came down and talked to the consultants and the specialists because they, at the time. The, and then the operation that you got done there was done at five days mm. old. So right. was that the um, shunt? That's the, the the bypass, which is the, your scar around the side of you, where yeah. they diverted the blood because fallows it affects the normal blood flow, um, and happens when a baby's heart doesn't form properly in the womb. Yeah. So they this was corrective surgery for that at that time, but then that, as we know later on, opened up a lot of other problems that you had as well and then it's interesting because like obviously i've got uh, my older sister who was mm -hmm. health like no issues no uh, growing up so coming into this like, out of nowhere would have been quite a uh, yes terrifying experience and on being, being yeah. very young and well. they told us what when they told they told us it was a genetic heart disorder mm -hmm. you know you immediately think you're passing that on as a gene, yeah. as a as a heart disorder. But and that was our first sort of reaction: mm. was what, what what have we passed on, and what have we done, or is there something we've done to pass that on? But it was explained to us that that's not the case. It's that it might be called, it's described as that, but it doesn't mean that's how it how yeah. it comes about. It's a, it's it's a gene issue, but it's not something that's passed on necessarily from from your parents or your you know whatever no. else. No. And so from that, um, being in Edinburgh and then being told mm -hmm. about the fallows, they obviously, did they want to repair that all quite quickly or was it a case of they wait to see how I grow? Type no, they repaired it. They repaired it in five days. Oh, that was what they repaired in, right, okay. Yeah, that yes. was that was the, the procedure they did then. It was like, it's almost like a bypass operation that they did. They put a valve or something into the preliminary artery to get the blood flowing properly right okay because it because fallows affects the normal blood flow uh i didn't realize so that not, the, that's why your operation was not, that i thought the that operation that i got one. when i was older was to do with the fallows well so. it was as well because that's all part you know you, you were born with the condition fallows and that was all part of it they then what happened yeah, uh, with that was the way they did the repair the lung hadn't grown to the size it should that right mm -hmm. yeah right. which is why you had to have the operation at four to try and and rectify that but your heart muscle is quite was quite damaged and quite enlarged really yeah so one one lung was not as developed so you were really working with one lung at yeah. some times. Did the, the lung boy didn't develop though because of the enlarged heart? Was that would that be a right thing to say? I don't know, but like I'm always trying to learn as well through. I don't know. I can't remember the. Again, they the they don't 
it's not like now there's you know the, and the a lot of the stuff that we were never clearly explained you know you asked the questions but it was never given in as much detail or you weren't i'm not sure encouraged you were encouraged to, to ask the questions and discuss it but i don't feel that mm. when i've seen when i've been in hospital with you later life as you know when you've been growing an adult you know you yeah. get a lot more discussion and real consultation with everybody yeah that more than we ever got and i don't think that was anyone withholding anything it was just the way it was done this is the way it was, it was done back done. in that time yeah yeah so yeah. Mm. we weren't expected to understand all the technology or the, the, See, the detail and that was a movie called the shunt was it was that yeah the that's what i was thinking yeah mm -hmm. that's what yeah. Was, i thought that's what that mm. was and then yes the repair um, was the bigger job so it just gave you more blood flow but by but doing it that it also had had an impact on you know on the on your development on your yeah. lung, on your, lung your other lung yeah. development which caused that mm. problem so with the when that all that was going on like you were saying before you guys weren't allowed in the hospital then was a case of you had to go away we were. Oh, we didn't stay in the hospital. No, when you, you had your operation. Because that you first actually operation. weren't there that long. I'm just looking back here. We went. So you were you were discharged. You got transferred back to Nine Wells after a, a couple of weeks after that shunt was done, and then a couple of weeks after that, you were. So your weight had gone up. You got you got your weight up. You got discharged home so that was you home as a baby at weighing five pounds 15 ounces and so you were still to go quite home. small <laughs> and you yeah, were you got to go that was home. Your home first time at home yeah. and, what and then from then on Sorry. that was you went home on the 3rd of march wow in so from being in the end of january not mm -hmm. getting home until yeah then. that's a long the time third of march yeah and so um, what were those visits? Did you get to see me every day? Was yes. That, yeah, say? yeah. Yeah, you still got to. Because when, we were in, when you got moved back to Dundee, um, yeah, I was just coming down every day at Dundee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was just a visit. Yeah. 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 And then. But you were still, in, you were still in, in the baby unit, you know, so you didn't get. Low, you know, you can have visitors and you're just still in an incubator in the mm. the the baby unit, even in Nine Wells. Right, okay. You know, and that. And then it was just, from then on, it was just a case of taking care of you and never out of the hospital for one thing or another. <laughs> yeah, so, but, so they just, because when they had done that first operation, they... Did they plan that they were going to do this woman? I was was it four years old? I had yes, the open heart four. surgery. Yes. So was yeah, that always the plan? I mean, I must say there was a lot. There was constant monitoring. There was no sort of feeling that you weren't being Looked taken at. care of in respect oh. of what was going to happen next. It wasn't like a big gap, and then there was always consult, you know, mm. communication, mm. and then visits and doctor visits or you know, specialist consultation. So it wasn't like mm -hmm. a four year and then we'd go back and do this. It was an ongoing thing all the time yeah. to the point where they decided this is the time we need to do this next procedure. Right. Mm -hmm. And would you care to explain 
that whole operation, like the operation, if you know what you know about it, and you obviously not the scientific ends of it, but more like your guys' view of how you dealt. Well, that with... was that was when you had to be have your basically open heart surgery. Yes. Yeah. You were. You were. So open, that was. You were, you were. And it, and it, we'd seen Doctor Gordman in the April, and he'd spoken about the um, summer that you would do it, possibly do it in the summer. You were four by then, and you would do it in the summer, and then. I just happened to phone him about something and he then said, right, we're going to, there's been a cancellation and we're just going to slot Stuart in here. So that was on a Friday and you were slotted in on the Monday, so we really mm. didn't get time to think so about it. So we didn't have it. any planning for that at all. No. I guess that, is that good? Would you think that was a better I think it was they good. I think, in like well, it was time. good in the sense that we didn't have to think about it. Because we were always better, waiting We for had it. to plan the whole you know mm. the logistics of that because we had Debbie, your sister, yeah, yeah. and you know, so we, you know, we, you know, she would have to be looked after because both of us were going to come with you to Edinburgh, which was supposedly for two weeks. They mm. thought um, that we'd be there for two weeks, so we thought, right, we can we can work with that for two weeks. But as we know, we didn't. It wasn't two weeks. <laughs> it was near <laughs> enough two months. <laughs> Before. So two months yeah. from the day of the operation. From going down uh, yeah. to Edinburgh, yeah. By the time we came back out, you came well, back again. Yeah, it was, um, I think, uh, it was, oh, it was, we went in in April, and I think it was me. June, May, before, um, just end, end of May, beginning of June before we got home. And there were, that was, the operation obviously went completely mm. to their stand, like what they wanted. And they were well, happy it, with the results. Or they did weren't it? at the beginning. It no, didn't go, it didn't go at well. the start. No, that's why you were in intensive care on a ventilator for six weeks. You were oh, kept okay. under, under. Um, every day, just hoping that something else is going to be able for it to take you off the ventilator. Mm -hmm. But And you weren't conscious at what, any early stages of that. No. There was so, no was that, did that happen because the whatever they did, was it the body getting used to it or was it kind of like... It was a problem with your lungs. It was your lungs. Yeah. Right, okay. And there was air in the... There was air in the left side of the drain. The, the, when they took out the chest drains, there was fluid coming out, so they put drains back in and it was just... A, they actually had to keep you sedated to keep mm. it all... Mm. Trying to wait for it to repair. Uh -huh. Um, but you went back to theatre as many times in that time. It was just, it was, it was actually awful. I can imagine. <laughs> it was just quite, but we were able to stay in the hospital then. Yes. So we were both staying. So we had a room in the hospital. Yeah, in, in a, a unit, in a mother's unit. unit, I suppose, father, mother and father's unit. Which was connected to the hospital, so we could easily just walk back and forward from there because yeah, we so couldn't stay all the time with you in intensive care by your bed. You know, we were by your bed a lot, but we couldn't do all of it. Because you and often we would get, or we'd be sitting in the corridor or yeah. we'd just be wandering about. And then you go and in then, for five minutes, come but out. But then you'd get a call saying, oh, we're doing this, this is going to happen, we're changing this, so we're going to oh. try something different and whatever. Yeah. And so can I, how old were you guys then? And how can you remember how old you were? I can't. Well, well that, that was I can't remember. 90. 1990, I would have been 30. 
So yeah, I've been thirty one. Yeah, so I was. Just well, I'm thirty, thirty-five. You know, that's so. That's like going through that kind of stuff. Like, no, you know, for you, that yeah. would just be like I couldn't even imagine having to deal with all that. It was because it was, you know your sister was at home as well, and she was only four. So, um, I no, she was no, eight. She, no, she sorry, was, yeah. you were four. She was eight. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um. So of course she was at school. So, um. It, that was difficult as well. So one of us would come up the road just for a couple of nights and then go back. Mm-hmm. We'd take it in turns. So the beginning of the, that sort of two months or so period, both of us were there all the time. Oh. And we couldn't sustain that, you know. Mm-hmm. So one of us would come home for the, to catch up with Debbie and mm. what have you and just, you know, get things sorted out a couple of days and then come back and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So between us, we're kind of, yeah, you know, so, watch. Yeah, and then because so like that was one of my questions was going to be like how did you cope with that responsibility of having to deal with Debbie being older and like at school and then was it like you obviously just explained it in a way that mm. but did you well, find that was, quite challenging then having to? Well, it was very. It's difficult. Yeah, yeah. No, it's diff- You know, you're torn between two places and. um you obviously want Debbie to, to have her normal childhood as well at yeah. the same time. Yeah, as... But we did. We were fortunate because you had, um, you know, your nana there. Yeah, mm. and, and she, she just to... and was able to move in, mm. and she just stayed here and looked after Debbie basically mm. for the for the time. The um... and I was fortunate in the sense that I was in my own business, so I didn't. I was able to. Myself loose extra time mm. off and that, yeah, yeah. Um, so I didn't have to worry about you know going into work every day. Mm. So after that uh, open heart surgery, and obviously there was the issues and that. How mm. so? How long was I in hospital for until then I actually got I to just, go home? From that time, you went in in the April and you came out on the eighteenth of June. Right. Okay. And then that was, was so because I'm trying. To, um, I don't really remember anything. That's why. No, like, and then all we, I can remember we kind of just went. <laughs> we kind of just went um, from from then. It was just a case of, well, you were on a lot of medication with that, and um, we would just go back and forward. The Edinburgh cardiologist would come up to to Nine Wells, and we would see him there regularly. So, or them, because sometimes it was two, and. Um, they were quite happy for a little while. And then about, was it about a year? I'm just looking, I think we came. So they're quite happy from, that was June 90. Then in January 91, they weren't so happy. Things weren't working as well as they'd hoped. And they wanted to put you on the transplant lung transplant list right. <laughs> by this time we were just like thinking oh my goodness yeah, because me. the problem had, no, that because they'd taken care of the fallows mm-hmm. you know that that had in, in their view had been taken care of yeah but all these other mm. um issues started to come on the back of it mm. it became a lung problem right okay and so then so that was a it was a lung transplant that was you know put yeah. forward as an option but 
you know, we ended up going down to with London. you to, to London. To yeah, I, I remember, no. I, I don't know how many times we went to London, but I do remember getting the sleeper. We went on the Maybe at least once. Right. I remember once or twice we, we went on the sleeper. three times, <laughs> at least three times. And we saw the, the, the main the main heart specialist down there in Harefield. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very good. And it was him that basically said that it would be simpler to do a heart-lung transplant than just a lung mm. transplant. So right. he then moved you onto the list for a heart-lung transplant, which was a major step or change for us, you know, to, yeah. to get our heads around that as well. Mm. And you were then on that list and could be called at any time. It yeah, that's how you know, it works, so isn't it? Yeah, to just kind of... Yeah, it, it wasn't because you were any more priority than anybody else. It was just mm. you were on the list and if, and if something came up that suited you, then you would have been getting that. Mm. And, 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 and you didn't, of course, but that was just a matter of, that was just time that took care of that. But why did, I don't, you probably don't know, but like, why did he decide that, because obviously I got the heart fixed in the surgery when it was four. So why did they feel that they needed to because take of, the heart? Um, uh, because of the size of it. Well, because of, they, this, my understanding was that it's, as straightforward, no. Transplanting a heart and lung is easier. From you know, it can be better uh, at that time. This is again back in the nineties. Can was a better procedure than just transplanting the lung. And right. for rejection, so for rejection, well. for subsequent rejection, your body would have accepted the heart and lung together better rather than, than just, just one, the, just the lung. Ah, right, okay, yeah, yeah. It, that would make more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that was how it was explained to us, and that <clears throat> they felt it was going to be better for that to happen. Okay, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. when I was going through all this, like up until like however I don't know how old, maybe into my like mm-hmm. 10, yeah. like 10 to 11 year old or whatever, were you mm-hmm. given any support in a way? Like, was there groups? Well, as you know, I um, was a member of the Children with Heart Disorders, and I answered an ad in the paper for um, someone wanting to start a group. There was already groups in Edinburgh and in, in Aberdeen. And um, this, you know, this was to start a group in Montrose. So I had met up with her and we, um, her son had already had an op a little bit older than you. And, you know, so that, that was that kind of support. And then just it kind of a couple more came in. I think it actually one of the girls in the hospital when you were in at that time, um, turned out they came from Montrose and she joined into the group as well. And this is the children with heart disorders. This is yeah, the children yeah, with heart just, disorders. So you kind of all support each other and yeah, yeah. and then oh. you can could help. But there wasn't any formal support. No one actually offered or... you any help. As then, parents, yeah, like apart from that. apart from you know when we met with them, there was there, yeah. was, there was no there was, there was no issues no. with that. We had some very good relationships with the specialists in Edinburgh and, and Dundee. The, and the stand, um, yeah. You know, and we managed to, and couple, you know, a couple of them stayed with you throughout your your childhood because you, know, you were being treated through the as a as a child through the sick kids primarily. Yeah. Then you ended up with the same consultant who, you know, managed. And it's, I don't think it's as normal, but 
you know, just the way of timing. You well, yeah, because I only period, remember having like two cardiologists yeah, yeah. until yeah. I was so they, so sixteen, seventeen, you, and they knew your history and your story. So whenever we were there, it was more of a familiar conversation rather than and having to re educate everybody about the situation every time you saw them yeah. a huge confidence for us to yeah. know that you're seeing the same people every day yeah, rather than walking watched in and you grow. retelling your story and yes um, and watched you grow and were actually you know quite pleased and surprised that you did as well as you as you did because you were quite a poorly baby and child mm-hmm. you know and we we all tried to just treat you the same as as your sister and um that's how you you came to be the personality you are i guess yeah and that kind of goes into what i was going to ask next with growing up Mm -hmm. and i obviously didn't i didn't couldn't do everything i wanted to do obviously i wasn't able to play football like in the teams obviously i played football at the park and whatnot with friends but Mm -hmm. i joined like a couple of groups like there was the Cub Scouts and all that kind of things. Mm-hmm. Was there ever any concern of me going into them? And, you know, were you worried that people might not understand? Well, and The thing about where you were brought up is everybody knew you. <laughs> you know, there was you... That, that um, boy. That boy. <laughs> no, it's, not, it's a small town, small village. Everybody so. knew you in the village and um, all the kids looked out for you if you like in a lot of ways and knew that you, you could run a wee bit but then would be found having a, a sit down at the at the side because that's you trying to recover your <laughs> your breath and what have you and um but you took part in as much as you could and the annoying thing was for you I'm sure is because you were when that tennis ball come to you you could hit it back the only thing is you couldn't run for it <laughs> just, it had people. to be hit to you so yeah, you, yeah. Were never, you were never slow in wanting to participate in a war you were always keen to get involved just recognizing well you recognize and everyone mm. recognize your um limitations so you never yeah. felt like i would have missed out on anything you were never concerned well, with that no yeah. well i'm sure you i'm sure you missed out on you certain know. experiences with regards to participating at a a different level of fitness you know if you've been f- fitter you might have participated or enjoyed it yeah. in a different way yeah and you know, that was the only thing i might, i don't think there was ever and anything also, that you didn't well you just said you just cannot do that you would do it to a certain level and then you know that you would understand and recognize that's what you could do and we made yeah. compromises on we like when you wanted to go to the camp the atc camp which was going to be camping outside it was uh-huh. freezing weather and I was thinking well you know you really can't do that because you can end up in pneumonia the next day <laughs> so you would go f- for the day and then I would come and pick you up at like 10 o'clock at night and then take you back at seven o'clock in the morning so you could <laughs> still have all the experience that they have you just didn't actually sleep no, there. no chance mm. of catching the cold or anything no <laughs> so we and just more, had to do things those were the kind of concerns that we had it wasn't so much about your, the physical aspect of it in the sense uh-huh. of you running it was you might you know can't you might get ill in the sense you know might get then, a, yeah. an effect chest infection or you might get a cold or something which would turn into something else and those were the more concerning things because that would have a direct impact on your condition 
Yeah. You know, it wasn't so much a, you knew that you could run and then you had to stop. That wasn't a problem. That was fine. It was, you know, but you didn't know if you were going to pick up something, you know, while you were doing that, in the, you know, a oh. infection or cold or whatever, and which might have a bigger uh, impact on you, you know, later on. Yeah. And did you just kind of decide to, not decide, but like the daughters never told you, don't let them do these things then? Did they just kind of. They, no, they, they wouldn't they say they I wouldn't advise you would do go sleep in no, minus temperatures I, in the field. <laughs> I think they were, as I said, they were very um, pleased to see you make the progress you had, um, which was good for us for them to say that as well, because, you know, we, I don't know what they expected, I think. Um, no. Because, you know, you were ill a lot. Did you feel that they painted a worse picture than what ended up being the end product in a way? No, because nope. you know they've always been there. They, they, you know, were quite um, frank and you know and at, at the beginning early days. You know, yeah. that, you know, it was they, they couldn't give a real long term prognosis. They couldn't mm. say everything was going to be hundred percent. They couldn't say that. No, you know, there was no way that they could and give us that confidence. So it was really going going along with you as you grew and developed and as the science and technology developed alongside you what what would work for you and what would mm. be better so you know when all the early days after that first operation sorry well the operation when you were four and then you looked at the sort of transplant options you know that suddenly that that, that started to that to fade away as more um procedural op options became available through technology and science yeah. You know, and as that became uh, open to you, you moved away from that. The transplant thing became, you know, a non-issue yeah. that just didn't arise itself ever again. And and they did that stent when yeah. you were sixteen, and yeah. that was... so was that in kind of compromise of the transplant then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, they... it was it not was a, a compromise. Not, not compr no, compromise. It was a replacement right, for it in the sense that it was a safer thing to do, and they could do that, whereas. You know, to say seven, eight, nine years earlier that that didn't that option wasn't available to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they wanted to let they the, the, certainly the conversations we had were always about how much bigger and how much growth you could get before you had to have another serious um, operation, and the right. longer that could go on. But there was a balance between that and your uh, health and your ability to you know maintain a healthy lifestyle before they could get to that procedure yeah so there was a real balance all the time to find when would be a good time to to do procedures without compromising on the the options that you would you might have had you know going forward and then with the stent sorry yeah i was just gonna say because actually one of the cardiologists said to me one time you know this will help it'll improve um the, his breathing a lot and everything but we don't actually know how well Stuart feels. So we don't know. He just, you've just lived with how you feel because you, you've mm. not felt any different. And, you know, uh -huh. when you did have your um, transplant um, laterally, you did say you couldn't, after the initial, you know, upset at the start, but then when you got it out, you did say, I can't believe how good I feel. 
Like then, from a valve replacement. From your Reflection. valve. Yeah. Yeah. The the stent. That was when I was sixteen. Which is funny. Was that? Do you think they? Because that was kind of like you're going into becoming an adult around that time. Mm. Would that? Do you think they decided to? That would be the peak time because everything would be properly grown. Was any? Because that American guy I'd spoken to in Dresden, he had a stent mm-hmm. done at the same age, and I just found that quite interesting. That mm-hmm. I don't know if it was like a common. No, thing I think it was just more the timing that they, as I said, had tried to, they'd moved away a bit from the actual lung, heart lung transplant, but you needed something. So this stent was a to try that. Yeah, and it, it, I remember that because that worked and. They, well, yeah. that was done in York Hill. They wanted to keep you in the kids. That was what <laughs> They wanted to keep you in the kids. Keep a hold of you. Just a little bit One longer before time, I moved. She said, "Yeah, one <laughs> and more time." So that I remember that operation because obviously I was a lot older, and it went considerably well. It went kind of smooth, apart from the whole losing all feeling in my left arm. I like. I know. I know. And that was a fear. That was a fear that you'd had a stroke. And, and so we had that for the whole night mm-hmm. to worry about. <laughs> that you, they thought that, but then it, once the neurologist had seen you, it said, no, it nerve was the damage, positioning, yeah. nerve damaging. So, and uh, it would sort itself out, but it did take a long time to sort itself out. Yeah. And then you had to be aware of that for every other time you were in hospital. Not to yeah, be I have mentioned it in that position. <laughs> because, yes. Yeah, because that's what we were, because you were. Your mm. arm was in that position for such a long time during that operation. That's what caused the damage. Yeah. And then it, it could have come back again and, and worse, you know, if it had been put in that position. Yeah, they might have uh, hit again. it again. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that happened. And then there was when I got my valve replacement when I was older, they happened with my legs. Yeah. My, yes. my, my right leg mm-hmm. could be, I still don't believe I've got full feeling in my right leg for that really no mm. so yeah, that was the problem at, at every stage every time <laughs> you get some kind of operation there's always something else that impacts on it it's never just that procedure that you were having there was always some complication that went yeah. alongside it whatever it might have been minor or major which, you know, resulted in more, you know, stress for everybody involved, more time in hospital for you. Uh-huh. And it was never just a straightforward, let's go in, do this procedure, and you'll get out, you know, in two days' time. I can't remember that ever happening. No, no. <laughs> and even the last time it didn't No, happen. the last time, exactly. You got home and had to go back again. Didn't yeah. So. Well, because that, that was going into the next thing was when obviously I got older and I moved out, it got more independent. How... Did you feel, because obviously I took more control over my, well, not decisions, because obviously the cardiologist and that made the decisions, but like, mm, how did, like, did, how did you adapt as a parent in that way, knowing that I was, you weren't? What did you, you weren't telling them everything that you should tell them, <laughs> um, so that you could get the, the proper diagnosis of what you'd gone in with. Yeah. So I would always be saying, have you done this? Have you done that? Um, so yes, it, was, it is a bit difficult to step back, but it's also good to see you take in charge of yourself. And, yeah. And, and know. And I've obviously you, got um, a very sensible wife who takes in a lot more information well, than exactly. I do. Exactly. <laughs> Which, you know, 
I've been training her for a while. <laughs> so with that going into that valve replacement, thought the that was in 2010. Well, I obviously remember all of that. Yes. But again, with, with your experience and with it, did you think that was all easier? Me being older, going in for those kind that kind of procedure, or did you no. think no? Was it worse? Still the same worry because it's just the same worry. No, it was the same one. The same worry. The only di- I think the difference in that one was we were we had a lot of confidence in the hospital and the consultant and you know. And and obviously in your um, ability to Tell to, to deal, communicate and, mm. and deal with it, uh, obviously quite different at that mm. age. But you know, you're you're an adult, but uh, it was a much it was a different experience in the hospital thing. I think because it was mm. because of the hospital you're in, of course, is it's such an exceptional hospital uh, in Scotland. Uh-huh, you know, yeah, you, you had that. that I mean, uh, top end, like com- yes, compared and, to what and, and, obviously all the other hospitals were good, but. Yes. There was... Yeah, but the whole, the whole round sort of environment that you were in there and we were in as, mm-hmm. you know, with you was quite different to anything we'd experienced in any other hospital than before. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, uh, and, and a modern approach to treatments, you know, which is great, you know, so fantastic. But, yeah. But the actual, our concerns and, you know... They were just the same. It's just the same because you don't know what's going to happen going into an operation coming out on operation. And actually, you know, we were only there three days, mm-hmm. about three days, and it was like, actually, that was probably one of the times we came out and we thought, we've, we've had this it. operation <laughs> and we're out. Three days, we cannot believe this. So we're home, we're fine. Your dad went away back to work. And then, as you know, you kind of started to get unwell again. And that was all within two weeks of being home, mm. probably. And we were away back down to Glasgow. Yeah, <laughs> and we stayed in longer than we did the whole time before. Mm. So um, that was a bit unfortunate that you had to go back to theatre then. But that was just a pattern of your life, Stuart. You just always ended up back in theatre. <laughs> the, the thing with that, though, was with the, the valve replacement was, I think they wanted to keep me in longer. Mm. Um, but I was obviously stubborn. And oh really? Was kind right. of, I was like, I, I was like, oh, I'm fine. Like you know, I'd feel good, and they kind of, and I obviously, I probably felt I could have deployed what they were planning. They wanted to give me beta blockers or whatever it was then, which mm-hmm. I ended up being on anyway. But I think that was the original plan, and I kind of was like, no, no, we're fine. I can breathe and all that, and felt I felt mm-hmm. fine. That's why I was like, I want to leave, and I kind of just wanted to get out. And but see. you didn't. But obviously, feel fine. it wasn't the same no feeling no. and obviously it deteriorated quite quickly and we thought it was quite strange how I was I didn't was it every time I leaned forward I felt fine but as soon as I like mm. straightened up uh, I started coughing I but mm-hmm. and it was it was just the coughing all night and the, the... yeah and then I remember they took me back well we went we I think it was doctor uh, from the local practice came was... to the house Mm-hmm. And he checked me over. Well, it was two. One didn't quite give the same prognosis. No. But the, he came and he tested. He was like, oh, you should go back to Glasgow. No, no, we went. He he said, I, I, there's something far wrong. And he said, yes, we'll, we'll get an X-ray. So we went and got an X-ray locally. And then back at night, we're back into the surgery the next day. And 
you were really bad by then. And that was when I said to them, right, there's something clearly wrong here. We are going back to Glasgow. Can you try and organise that now? And I did, they did said, yes, just take them. And we, that's when we just drove down. And then they did the, is it, yeah, the echo scan. And yeah. I think they found it was two and a half litres of blood. Of blood. We're sitting. They took off on, two and a half litres of yeah, blood. Mm -hmm. sitting on top of my lungs. like or Which is why you were coughing it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is terrifying. Unbelievable. And I'm sure the surgeon said I was, like, I, I remember his face coming in. Well, it was me, you, and mm. Alison. Uh, the were yeah. sitting, and he came in, and I just remember mm. his face. Mm. It's kind of yeah. like, yeah, yeah. No, oh, I know. We need to get this scene too. <laughs> like, and, and like that, I was pretty much in face. surgery. <laughs> because when he said, because um, he said, right, we, you know, we need to go back um, into theatre, and, and and I said, oh, right, when when are you going to do that? Thinking this is going to be in the next couple of days. She said, right now, yeah, so I can get the anaesthetist back right now. And the, the anaesthetist had gone home. It was like seven o'clock at night by this I time. I remember it being late by then. And I don't know, like, obviously, I, I, I don't remember when I was little. So, like, was that the kind of same idea of things that had happened oh, yes. when I was younger? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We would often A very do... similar pattern. And <laughs> of, a couple of times been told that the next 24 hours are crucial you know yeah. you, but then might not go they drained off that blood and uh, came out stayed a bit longer and you, you said time. it that was when you said it. you, you felt bad there was a and it was quite funny because obviously that previous time i felt good when i wanted to leave oh, you thought you originally did. yeah so if mm -hmm. i maybe had stayed those extra days and we wouldn't have they would have caught that whatever had happened mm -hmm. and it would have been quite yeah. interesting and obviously i got it would have been the same result but Without the draining without of the, the trauma, <laughs> we've got now without four the of these drain holes in my body now rather than just mm. two. Yeah, but with that, like I'm obviously there's still checking on me uh, every mm -hmm. so often, and I'm on different pills, and they're just trying different things. So, do you still have any ongoing concerns with me, or are you kind of like happy to? <laughs> Let no. me. We'll always, we'll always have concerns about you, Stuart. That's always going to be our job to have concerns about you. So it's just watching you all the time. As you know, I can just look at you and think, right, are you taking something? Do you feel well or something? You know, and you know that you can't say yes because you know I know you don't. So you'll ne that'll never go away. No, that'll oh. never go away. You've got you've got to know how you feel and and be honest with yourself I, when you're not feeling right that you need to get help. Because like you say that and like obviously what I was saying before with when I got my valve replacement I wanted out and I recently told uh, the guy in Glasgow that same story and he gave me a face as to say you shouldn't really be doing that and no. like. <laughs> And, exactly. like, and Alison didn't know either, so everyone, everyone's been angry at me. Because <laughs> yes. I, and you've caused way, that trauma. It's been, being older and realizing what I've got, like I've got mm. obviously um, a son now, and you realize that you have to take more care and yes. you have to try and yes. better yourself because you obviously don't want them to grow up with nothing in a way. If you want to be brutal, 
Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was trying to tell you. You have to, to take care of yourself and take responsibility for your health now. I've yeah. taken responsibility for it all this time. Yeah, so, yeah, you recognise the signs that... When I have been ill in the past, when, where was it, 20, I can't remember what I said, 2018, when I had that cough for however long, mm -hmm. and I knew myself, oh, yes. like, I was like, this is definitely wrong. And then anytime I know I'm getting a chest infection or something like that, I f like I can tell now. So I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm right on so it because I know I don't want it to, like Dad had said earlier, when you get that confession, it could turn into something worse. Because mm -hmm. you don't, I don't want, yeah. well, I don't want yeah, that yeah. anytime, but you don't want no. that, you know. Yeah. And yeah, because you have been, uh, as a child, ended up in hospital again with pneumonia, you know, and that's no fun. You know, you know, so that was quite a, a common occurrence for you yeah. then. And it can quickly change if yeah. you don't catch it quick. And because, it, because of those kind of things then put so much strain on your heart and your lungs, you know, more so than somebody else who might have it. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you've got to avoid getting in that situation in the first place. So you've got to get early warnings and, you know, take action against those early warnings, whatever that might be, and to avoid... You know complications later on yeah um, which is why this this covid you know that we're just keep you safe is the the thing i know and i'm just well, staying away from everyone mm. <laughs> and no, that's right and not like it's it's been a journey for us all it's been, been a journey <laughs> <laughs> and we've obviously come out the other end well you know we're you know, all, i'm still yes. here and so I would, is there any message or advice that either of you could give to parents who are listening to this? So I know there's a few parents that have kids with CHDs now. Is there any advice you could give them for today? I think everyone's experience is going to be a little bit different, even if you have the same, you know, health issue. Um, but the experience is going to be different. But I think one thing that we've learned and, and have passed on to others is Question everything. Mm -hmm. Question everything in the hospital. Question everything with the, the treatments, the consultants, and not in a, an aggressive, you know, challenging way, but in a way that you understand. You understand what's going on, and you know, you understand why they're making what the decisions they're making, and from your experience as parents and as, as you as the child, together you can make sure that you're you're putting yourself in the right place with those decisions or what they're suggesting should happen. Because often, you know, you know, there might be options, you know, and, and you need to be guide, you know, give some guidance about from your knowledge of yourself as, as your own body. And as parents, you know what your child is like and how they can react and what they can do. Mm -hmm. So you need to be able to present that, you know, in that conversation as well. So that it's not just someone telling you as a patient that this is what's going to happen. And you have to challenge that, I think. You have to be, you know, understand that, you know, that you have a place in that conversation. Yeah, definitely. And mum, do you have anything you want to add? No, to that, dad or? just says it all. He's, <laughs> he's got it all there. That's exactly the right thing because it's totally different now. I mean, if there was a baby going to be born with fallows, they would know before it was born now. Yeah, they would know there was that. Mm -hmm. I think one doctor said that to you when you to mm -hmm. when you and um, Stuart were down um, before at a hospital, and they said it, that this would be detected before mm -hmm. the yeah. baby was born. 
So they're prepared yeah, for and they've that. Already got I wasn't plan prepared. Out, you know. <laughs> yeah. We never had a plan. Yeah. You know, there was never any sort of thing that said, this is what's wrong with your child so that this year we'll do that, five years we'll do that, 10 years we'll, you know, that, that's not the case. It was never. We were like, just getting through a day and that was good. <laughs> just move from one <laughs> procedure to the next, you know. Yeah. But then there was also, because like, you'd had Debbie to maybe, mm. you wouldn't have thought about that concern and that, but you know, there wouldn't no. be anything wrong. So no. even if you had those chances to be scanned, you might have not picked it because you'd had, yeah. you know, because there's a lot well, there of wasn't, There wasn't any. But I mean, if, was if never... it was like, if it was now, you know. If it was some, now. Yeah. Some parents might not do that, but it was like, mm. we got an extra scan because we knew of my condition. Yes. And found out yes, that his heart was exactly. totally fine. And that was like yes. amazing for us. So, and that's good. Mm. You see, so then they would have picked up on that then. If there was any probably. issues, yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely, which yeah. was always good. Yeah. Oh, there's definitely nothing wrong with that no, little boy. There's definitely, <laughs> there's definitely a great, the great thing of nowadays with heart problems, even though there's obviously still a lot of babies born with heart conditions, mm. That, mm -hmm. that I, I've said this to quite a few of the podcasts that I also feel that the future is a, could be I think it's a lot more brighter for all them because of the technology yes. that's oh, available like yes. there's a higher yeah. survival chance and that's great to yes. use well they can deal they can deal with a specific problem straight away yeah whereas in your situation it was over a period of time mm. they had to deal with bits and pieces of it they didn't even know what it was until you know, two days after you were born, mm -hmm. you know, and then they couldn't deal with it then because you were so small and couldn't, you know, the, the, the technology science didn't allow them to do that, deal with it, you know, completely. Yeah. It had to be done over a period of time. And mm -hmm. during that time, other things can happen, other development, you know, your growth and things changing, you know, has an impact on it. Whereas now, I believe, I would think now, you know, having know. an early, you know, early diagnosis is a, a more uh, specific procedure and a plan out of it, which is much more beneficial for the for the baby or for the mm -hmm. child than it was in years ago. Definitely, because mm -hmm. some you know if you go back before your time as a child, you know fallow was was um, you know you know not not treatable. It wasn't you know it wasn't no. something that they could deal with. No, in the child, you know, not not that much earlier before you. Yeah, which is crazy to think that difference. Mm -hmm. But yeah. that's I've very enjoyed learning about my history in a bit more <laughs> depth, yes. and hopefully people will enjoy hearing my story a bit more as well. Because obviously, in yeah. other ones, I've just kind of dipped and dabbed of what I've gone through. We are very proud to know that you're married with lovely little boy and a perfect situation, perfect life. Because we never thought you'd go to school. So there you go. <laughs> so for us, it's great to see that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, it's good. It's just incredible, really, the, the journey we've had. I know. And great that I've had such good support from you guys growing up and all that, you know. So it's been good to speak to you tonight as well. To okay. tell us. Thank you very yeah, well. much. And okay. I'll see you some day soon. See you soon. <laughs> <laughs>